Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Jim White, and today myself and Simon discussed Manchester United's performance against Galatasaray. We hear from the United fans on Go goalkeeper Andre Onana and ask if they would take back David De Gea. Meantime, can football argue to be a game that is open for everyone when homophobic chanting continues in grounds? Stuart Matthews, founder and chair of Proud Seagulls, joins us on the show and we talk boxing with WBO Cruiserweight champion Chris Billum-Smith live in studio. This is Outspoken with White and Jordan. The great and the good were in uh, Europe last night. Manchester United, though, threw away a two-goal lead twice to draw 3-3 uh, in Istanbul against uh, Galatasaray. Ten Hag said afterwards, we're going in the right direction. I'm sure we will be successful in the long term. Mm-hmm. But um, before we hear from Ten Hag, is this a club, Simon, moving closer to calamity or moving closer to get it right? Before I get your answer to that, Ten Hag on where they're at. Yeah, you have to manage the game not so easily. Uh, give free kicks away, then defend the free kicks, of course, better. It's always about incidents, always about details, and some incidents we can manage better. But yeah, as I say, we as a team, we have to learn from it because we're conceding uh, too much goals, and that's unnecessary and avoidable. I'm sure our team is experienced enough and is capable of enough to manage this, and we will do better. But uh, what is enjoyable is uh, the progress we have the way we play football and we're dictating the game, we score so many goals and not about uh, look or what, no, about a plan and about creativity and about uh, be proactive and brave. So that was Ten Hag post match. I mean, to qualify, United need to beat Bayern Munich and Harry yeah. uh, at Old Trafford and hope that Copenhagen and Galatasaray draw their match. So that's where they're at. Where are they moving to, Simon? Uh, is it closer to calamity or closer to getting it right, do you think? Well, game management is a fundamental part of the, the the opportunity to win games, obviously. And I'm I'm assuming that he would assume uh, would categorise his behavior, their performance as getting nearer to it because of their game management against Fulham and Sheffield United and Luton and Brentford, all those teams that are at the top table. So, in game management terms, when you're playing against the so-called elite sides, they are not seeming to progress. 
So depends who you benchmark it against. If you benchmark Man United by being able to win enough games over the lesser opposition to find themselves in the Champions League qualifications for the following season, then they're maintaining a moderate progress. If you're if you're determining Man United's ascent or progress based upon their ability to be able to overcome the best opposition, well, how do you make a case that there's a great deal of progress? Yeah, the second ba- part of that, they're, they're not coming close to, certainly, at the moment, you could argue. Are they not showing character, though? I mean, Goodison was a bear pit on Sunday. In they go, they win. Yeah. Last night, welcome to hell. Galatasaray fans do everything they possibly can to make you feel unwelcome. And they, f- they flexed a bit of muscle when they had to and they showed a bit of character. Well, character would have been to hold the game at 3-1, wouldn't it? Yeah. That would have been character. To put yourself in a position of ascendancy shows a, a clear evidence that the team's got capabilities. No one would deny the team's got capabilities. No one perhaps should, should deny the fact that the guy should be given a, a certain amount of time. Mm. And the same argument might have been raised for Arteta and people are reaping the fruits of that potential patience. My view and it's been my view since he walked in the door, is I struggle to see him getting the ultimate outcome. And the ultimate outcome isn't making Manchester United competitive. Surely the ultimate outcome is assuming the role they once had, which is winning leagues and winning European competitions, albeit they didn't win that many European competitions, but being very competitive in those tournaments so that they are rightfully one of the elite clubs in Europe. Now, you can give him time to, to achieve a better outcome if the outcome that you're determining is Ten Hag's job is to eclipse Pep Guardiola well, I, the only time I see that happening is when Pep Guardiola packs it in. Mm, so if yeah, that's yeah, not someone yeah. you're not going to eclipse, when yeah. what is Man United's modus operandi? It's very easy to criticise. <clears throat> they keep getting themselves in decent positions. Yes, they scored three goals against Bayern Munich, and people talk about these statistics, and I think Owen Hargreaves was saying it last night, that they've scored so many goals away from home, nine goals away from home, in the, as normally would get you a certain amount of points, has got them one. Yeah, yeah. But, but you, yeah. you look at the Bayern Munich game, that was probably the most nonchalant 4-3 you'd ever see because every time Man United scored a goal, Bayern Munich went, how dare you, upfield and went and scored another. Mm, mm. Um, look, I mean, the argument about Fernandes and his captaincy and his leadership, the quality on the pitch, I'll tell you one player that seems to be coming through and seems to be making a much more of a, a fist of it is obviously James McTominay, right? Scott McTominay, sorry. Scott McTominay, um, yeah. So with that in mind, yeah. there's progress there. Luke Shaw's back in the side, but yeah. this is not a great United side. Well, it's not. And there are big question marks about the goalkeeper. Spent 47 million quid on Anana. Is he the answer? Looks far from the answer at the moment. I'll put it out there this morning. United fans listening, with De Gea still without a club, I'm going to put it there. Would you have him back? How much longer can this go on? Because at the moment, you look at Anana, he's an accident waiting to happen. De Gea is still without a club. Would you have him back? 81089, you can give us a call. 03717 United Simon have conceded one fewer goal than the side with the worst defence in the competition, Royal Antwerp, yeah, who have conceded open. 15 in five but, but, defeats. But, but Danny Murphy has said from the get-go, the way that this side plays is they're far too open. And on the Anana question, you cannot suggest to me that David De Gea in his first season when he was Man United goal, goalkeeper covered himself in glory. There was this constant criticism of him about his inability to get crosses, his inability to do certain things, yet here we are talking about David De Gea being brought back in. Mm. And also David De Gea having a very successful tenure at Man United post the first season. This guy came in with a great reputation. They're ridiculing it, saying they came in because he was good with his feet, but it's his bloody hands that saved the ball. <laughs> He's made plenty of saves. He saved them um, in the game against Copenhagen at um, 
at Old Trafford. But he's made plenty of mistakes as and well. Goalkeepers make mistakes. Undeniably. But, go- but goalkeepers do make mistakes. Yeah, costly and, mistakes. And, but goalkeepers do make mistakes. And players on the field make mistakes. Players give away penalties. Players miss open goals. Midfield players make bad challenges. Those are the same sort of mistake as a goalkeeper. The problem is if your defensive unit in front of you is constantly exposing you to situations where you're being put under pressure more often than not. Goalkeepers will make the same percentage of mistakes. Mm. Man United aren't leaking goals simply because of the goalkeeper. They're leaking goals. It was nothing to do with the goalkeeper on the on the whole when Bayern Munich smacked four past them. It wasn't that much to do with the goalkeeper when, when Copenhagen smacked four past them. I'm not sure, though, Simon. I think there's an element of the United support becoming increasingly impatient about what they see when Anana plays. It's almost, it's almost expect a mistake somewhere along the line. Let's hope it's not costly. But this goalkeeper a year ago was absolutely at the top of his game, being perceived to be, if not the best goalkeeper in the world, close to it. Mm. Had record number of clean sheets, and all of a sudden he's coming to a Man United side that hasn't been able to. I mean, this is a side, this is a Man United side that got beat seven, you know, and got and and have gotten beaten by teams left, right, and centre by a number yep. of goals. Nothing to do with that goalkeeper. Oh, true. Okay. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. David De Gea is still without a club. United fans, would you have him back? Steve, big United fan, good morning. What's your assessment of it? I think, yeah, I think you're both way off the mark, if I'm being honest, in this one. I think, you know, Sam alluded to, we've got to look to move forward and progress to get to the standards of City. And then taking a backward step, getting De Gea back, that's definitely not the thing to do. But then, on an honour, you know, Simon said, the defence in front isn't good enough. But you look at the two goals yesterday, the two direct free kicks, and they've gone in directly in the centre of the goal. That's all the goalkeeper's fault. And then the game against Copenhagen, his pass was what got Casemiro into trouble and uh, got him sent off. So, yeah, yeah. yeah he's, he's having an absolute stinker. And, you know, just to pick up again on what Simon said about De Gea's first season, De Gea was 19, 20 year old when he signed for United. Mm. Onana's 26, 27. He should be doing, you know, he should be a lot more experienced and I just don't think he's going to reach the standards that we need. If you compare him to Edison and Allison, he's absolutely miles off. Oh, you don't think he'll make it? You don't. You don't think he'll reach the standards that United demand? No, I, I just think he's lacking the shot ability, and you know he's a little bit too overconfident sometimes with the ball at his feet, and he gets himself into trouble. He, he nearly did a couple of times in the game last night. So, yeah, I think sometimes you've got to cut your losses. He, he's clearly not what we thought he was going to be. So in my opinion anyway so yeah I think, I think that's I think a fair analysis Steve I think that's a fair analysis to be fair the only thing I would say is they're all getting themselves into trouble with the ball at their feet look at Alisson at the weekend he nearly gives away one goal um, by, by, by knocking a ball square that puts himself right into trouble and clears a ball straight to their, to, to, to the opposition's um, uh, midfield so I think they all get themselves in trouble I think it's a fair analysis if you're going to compare if I'm going to make comparisons about uh, eclipsing um, Liverpool and Man City then both of those goalkeepers that you allude to are better than Nana OK Steve listen thanks for the call Jack where, where is your head certainly on Nana what do you think good morning I thought we were a weird signing at the start of the season anyway bearing in mind Terry Tanag had a limited budget to start with and to smash a third of that on a goalkeeper um, when you had De Gea was more than adequate there, but saying that he needed a centre-back, a right-back, a centre-midfielder, knowing that if you're Man United back in Champions League, you're going to need quality players in them positions. And he goes yes, to spend yeah. nearly £50 million on a goalkeeper when you've got someone there who was going to accept a reduced contract, but 
when it comes to the goals that Onana's conceded, you know, they're simple. He makes them every day. In yes. his sleep, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. I mean, on on uh, a night that the one like the night's coming up, Manchester United need to beat Bayern and hope Copenhagen and Galatasaray had drawn their match. Well, Onana can't do much about the second part of that. But United need to meet Bayern. Would you have confidence in Onana going in between the six that night against Bayern Munich? No, simply. Um, I mean, you look at the goals he's conceded, and they are simple goalkeeping. It's a switching off of uh, concentration. You look at the team performance last night, it was actually quite good. Yeah. Bearing in mind, Simon's already touched on about uh, Fernandez's leadership, and I think that was abysmal again last night, because when you're 3-1 up, someone needs to get hold of the team and say, right, slow it down, take these little fouls, reduce the time, you know, and make, make the simple passes, and we're still spreading sure, passes sure. 35 yards into dead can I, can I just pick you up on your limited transfer budgets? You spent yeah. £200 million. Where, where do you get the terminology limited from? Well, we knew we had to sell. You, to no, you, no, hang on, you, you sold £35 million pounds of players, you sold Dean Henderson and you sold Alanga and you brought in £220 million worth of talent. So you got a but net Simon, spend of a, more than... Your average net spend over the last 10 years has been £160 million a season, £1.6 This year... Your net spend was about 180, 190 million. How does that qualify in your in your thinking to say we've got a limited spending? You can't argue the club's back ten arg. They've gone out and got his transfer targets. Yeah. yeah. But the start of the season, come February, we was challenging for four competitions. Yeah, it was unrealistic, but at the same time, we was on the front of challenge for four competitions, knowing that we were likely to go into the Champions League. 150 million pounds. You know, Bayern Munich and Harry Kane for 100 million, but we're getting linked to Harry Kane every single day in the newspapers, in the media. Yeah, you bought a 75 million euro centre forward instead. They did, but they sold a couple. And you look at the transfer list that we're trying to get out the door. Yeah, you sold a Langer. Yeah. That's not much of a Langer, is it? It's not. You're not not wrong there, but at the same time, a Langer's never going to be a Champions League player for Man United. No, granted. But but Uh, but to say you've got a limited budget, I mean, I don't know. I'm not having a go. I'm just trying to qualify what you think a limited budget is. What should Man United be spending? Three, four hundred million moving into the sort of territory that people are getting offended that Chelsea are doing? I think if you're generating that, bearing in mind, yeah, we have had a couple of seasons where we've not been in the competition and the TV rights from Champions League. Yeah. But at the same time, we are Man United. We get 75,000 every week. You're getting a good budget in. And then you're getting a lot of TV deals. You know, we were on TV. Yeah, but you, 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 you've, seen, you've seen the increase, haven't you, in the levels of, of, of return that Man City get. And you're, you have dropped down into the £500 million bracket. So you're now at a stage where spending £200 million is a significant amount of money or best part of it. And if you're buying a goalkeeper, it, what we're criticising really is not the budget, it's the way it's been spent. Because if you're buying a goalkeeper in this day and age, we put we've seen it you know Allison came for 75 million you've got a goalkeeper for 47 million and the problem is it's not necessarily the money that's been spent it's where it's been spent on whom it's been spent on and yeah. that's ten hogs responsibility download stand well back listen outspoken with white and jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station talk sport Oh, Nana, is he still the answer to here's without a club? United fans, would you have him back? All sorts of questions I'm throwing out there this morning. Abzar is a big United fan who's been waiting an age to get through to us, but you're through now. Abzar, good morning. What do you want to say? Morning, Jim and Simon. How are you both? Very good, thank you. As usual, by the way. Um, Quick mention to Simon. I think he talks a lot of sense. If I ever need a lawyer, I'm going to call him. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 
On this occasion, though, with the Onana situation, I'm going to have to slightly disagree with him. From day one, from day one when we played Nottingham Forest, my son, he's a 16-year-old, we watched football together with my daughters. When he flapped that, uh, that chance and we conceded that goal, that is, a, that is not a professional footballer who played for international football, played for Inter Milan in the Champions League and conceded that goal. What annoys me is when we got a manager like Ten Hag, when we got Steve McLaren, these are proven managers. And if they can't see these little mistakes from the beginning, which turn into massive mistakes, you question what sort of profession have they been in? I used to be in catering trade and I could see that mistake and I couldn't understand why to this day this hasn't been eradicated. I'll let you in before I finish. What happened is, I feel the biggest problem this season has been, as a United fan and as United themselves, is the goalkeeping situation. He has cost us the Champions League place. He is going to cost us the Champions League, uh, the, the league places which would help us to qualify for the Champions League because no matter how much of a good defence you have, if the defence gets breached and you've got no one that you can rely on, then the, the defence has no hope. The, the problem I see is we have proven defenders we've had in the past. We've had Viran, we've had um, um, Martinez. The problem is I see them. They are nervous knowing if that defense gets breached, Onana has no chance of okay. saving. Any right. shot that goes at him, majority of the shots that go onto Onana, he's flapping or he's conceding. I had David Digier in my car two weeks ago, and we spoke. And I, I honestly said to Digier, look, hand on heart, be honest, because I know the truth. I said the amount of goals that um, Onana conceded, would you have conceded 70% of them? And he, without being big-headed, I am sure of that, he said, yeah. And I, as a United fan, 100% agree with that. You had the hair in your car, Abza. Yeah. I had to get in Mecca. I'll send the pictures to prove it. But the problem, what I'm seeing is, yeah, as a, as a big club like United, why have they just jumped into putting Onana in without... without well, they should have a gradual phase in that. The secondly is, yeah, we signed a Turkish international. We had the chance to play him, test him out. Why are we not doing these things? I need... I, I just but managers, but managers buy bad goalkeepers or make mistakes. If you look back at United with Ferguson when he signed Mark Bosnich and it wasn't a resounding success, and the mm. other goalkeeper was it Massimo Talbi that they signed? Talbi, Talbi, yeah, and right. both of those were Ferguson signings, yeah. and they didn't work out. Yeah. But it'd be, it'd to cut his losses eventually, Abzar in a sentence: Should United cut the losses now and Anana and think elsewhere? Obviously, they should cut. Right. If not, they should test what they have. They're right. not doing anything. They're okay. persisting with with the lost cause here. Okay, Abzar, thank you very much indeed. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, "What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Can football argue be a game that is open for everyone when homophobic chanting continues in grounds? Um, we do know that Brighton have been on the receiving end of uh, the said homophobic chants on a couple of occasions. Um, the first being when Luton um, came calling at the start of the season, homophobic chanting and subsequently were fined £120,000 and received a a two-year action plan handed down to them by the FA. But um, uh, for Luton now read Nottingham Forest because at the recent game which Brighton won at Forest by three goals to two, uh, again, the same problem reared its head homophobic chanting. Forrest put out a statement following Saturday's Premier League fixture against Brighton. We've been made aware of some homophobic language aimed towards Brighton players and fans from a minority of fans. But the fact of the matter is, it happened again. Uh, The founder and chair of Proud Seagulls is Stuart Matthews, big Brighton fan, and Stuart joins us live. Stuart, good morning to you. Um... No doubt you, you you take... Good morning to you, Stuart. No doubt you take real offence at the said chanting that you've witnessed and that you've heard. Absolutely. Um, I can't believe we're in the 21st century and we're still having this discussion. Um, most, in fact, I would say all the LGBT fan groups across the whole of the uh, of English football um, have all been set up in a way to stamp out and eradicate this type of chanting. Um, and it was earlier on this year, I know that Chelsea, with the help of proud Lily Whites, uh, the clubs and the Metropolitan Police and the CPS, um, actually had their one of their chants uh, almost outlawed, if you like, uh, made... Uh, the uh, police could prosecute um, and the fines that's the next step or I say the next step that's the that was the, the, the I was at a conference uh, early part of the year at Chelsea and and it was discussed there the FA the Premier League were all behind it and we're all saying that they were going to hand out bigger penalties to clubs um, now it's 
my only concern is the fact that although we're finding the clubs and you know some clubs like say like Luton Town for yeah. instance, yeah. that amount of money is is, is quite a bit. I mean, can I ask you, Stuart, you know, as a, as a proud member and, and yeah. you're the founder, you're the founder member and yeah. your chair of Proud Seagulls, how offended are you that during a game when this comes up and you hear this from opposing fans, as you have done with Luton and Forrest, how, how offensive does it get? It, uh, extremely. I, I, I don't go to football. I do not go to watch a game, whether it be home or away to hear that type of abuse. Um, I go there to support my team. Um, win, lose or draw, um, I suppose with, with everybody else. I just think it's, I know it's a sad minority and it, over the last, well, certainly over the last few seasons, it does seem as though there's a, there is a small pattern. I've certainly seen a pattern. So Luton Town, for instance, were losing, um, that's when their fans decided, well, we're now, uh, you know, pick on the home fans. At the weekend, um, not Forest again, Nottingham Forest were losing and decided to pick on the away fans. Um, now, what, what came out of that was actually there was um, somebody that was up in the north, uh, was up in the area in the, in the not, uh, not Forest end above the away fans, who was with his boyfriend. He's not out, and I can understand completely why, um, but he and his boyfriend tried to stop the chanting, and they were basically told by a steward, just keep your head down and keep going. And that we can't have. Um, most other clubs will quite happily, the stewards are well-trained and would have dealt with it in a, you know, they would have reported it themselves to, you know, directly to the club. I, I, um, I see. So when the chants start, you want the stewards to move in, uh, tell, tell, well, no, no, tell no, a minority, no, whoever it, it is, to, to stop doing it. No, no. It's more of, if somebody reports it, no, so I know if I'm in, if I'm at Brighton, if I go and report something to a steward, I know it's going to be escalated up to the stand manager. It's probably a conversation I will then have with the stand manager. And that will then escalate up to those within the club. Um, it's giving somebody an outlet. Now, over the, well, certainly over the last few years, it's been brilliant that most clubs now have a tech service, you know, reporting hotline, if you like, which is brilliant um, because it means that somebody can do it anonymously. They can record, they can report the abuse. Yes. Um, yeah. And yeah. they can do it, you know, anonymously. That is absolutely brilliant. And we've seen over the last, certainly over the last three years, that's taken off. There's been a lot more reporting, homophobic reporting. Yeah. Uh, going through the, going through uh, either the clubs or um, kick it out uh, on their app. Um, and I think it's just made it easier for people to. Mm report things. Yes, Stuart, um, Stuart, I'm going to bring in Simon in a second, just before I do, what's your message this morning to those, the minority of Luton fans, Forest fans, and any other fans who care to indulge in this, what's your message to those who indulge in um, homophobic chanting, directed at the likes of yourselves? Just don't do it. And and to be honest with you, go there, go either at home or away, whichever, 
and watch the game and enjoy the game, enjoy the match. But don't pick on the, you know, there's, there's just no point to it. Yes, you can hear um, the emotion in Stuart's voice, Simon. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, look, we have to be clear that it is a minority, a small minority. Yeah. And, and unfortunately in the world, you are never going to eradicate ignorance. You're only going to be able to marginalise it and minimalise it. And these sort of chants are a criminal offence. I think the clubs... OK, there's a, a disappointing anecdotal evidence from Stuart that a, a, an individual Stuart... A steward, sorry, hasn't um, responded the way he should do. But I think most football clubs take it very seriously. It's a it's a significant uptick in their awareness of tragedy chanting and abusive chanting that are signalling out an ethnicity or a community. Any discriminatory behaviour, I think, has a zero tolerance policy for most football clubs. Mm. So I think it's a, we have to get the balance between saying, in an ideal world, no one says anything abusive, no one says anything discriminatory. But in the real world where we all live, people say things as individuals and and, and in small groups, and we mustn't get lost in that. No, by of necessarily. Course. But and it, I'm not it suggesting would we should. That those who chant don't really give a damn that the clubs get fined. Well, no, and that's the flip side of the argument because I don't think Stuart or I would want the clubs to be fined if the clubs are doing everything they should be doing, yeah. Yeah. and then you get a few mindless idiots. It feels like yeah. it's an unfair weaponizing of an argument and there has to be a significant you, consequence the police and the stewards and the training yeah. of the stewards has to be at a level that minimizes these guys and the moment they're identified yes that's it they're out yeah end yeah. of conversation carry, carry on Stuart. Uh, oh i was going to say that, that that was one thing that this uh, conference we had about uh, uh chanting and you know um primarily uh, about the chelsea chant um but that was one thing the fa it was something I didn't agree. I, I, I don't agree with the fact that the FA are going to find clubs for their fans. But I think the idea is, is that the clubs will then look at those fans who go to either or either at the home or away games and weed out those minority, <clears throat> excuse me, those, those in that minority that spoil it for the rest of them. You know, I mean, I, I, I go back to when we entered the Premier League in 2017. Our very, very first match was away because it always clashed. Well, at the time it clashed with Brighton Pride. Um, and uh, we were playing Leicester. And there was a huge amount of homophobic abuse from the Leicester fans. Now, there was one elderly gentleman who actually took to social media to speak of his displeasure uh, why it was there were a couple of fans sat down in front of him were being so homophobic he he was horrified that in this day and age people were doing that now here we are six years later um i thought i'll be honest with you i thought that the chanting from luton i thought was quite sad really you know their first time in the premier league in However, many. Yes. But it's all sad, Stuart. But it's all sad, Stuart, isn't it? It's all sad. They're yeah, sad people. Is. People that chant about what happened to Leeds fans, people that chant what happened yeah. to Hillsborough, they're sad little people that have sad little yeah. lives and they're trying to promote themselves by having a, a go at another community just because that's what they think is some tribalistic nonsense. It's all sad, isn't it? But it is far different from what it was years ago. The clubs are far more responsive. And far more motivated, I think, than they've ever been before to address the issue. And I think all of these things signal progress. No one should rest on their laurels. 
but no one should also get carried away with the yeah. idea that this is representative of a football fans full stop it is a societal issue rather than a football issue and it is in the minority so Stuart uh, we appreciate you coming on and talking about it and highlighting it as well and we appreciate that. Stuart Matthews is the founder and chair of uh, Proud Seagulls. For their part, Luton were fined the, for the, the minority of those who indulged in the chanting. Uh, Luton as a club was fined £120,000. Still to find out if uh, Forrest will be hit with something similar. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. In struts, the diminutive but extremely effective Spencer Oliver to the proceedings. Spencer, good afternoon to you, my friend. Jim, Simon, how are we both doing? We're both doing pretty well. Mr Jordan has been in great form this morning and you will carry that on into the third hour talking about a sport that you really do love, don't you? Very much so. Yes, good to hear. And not only has uh, Spencer wandered in here... But strutting in here with an air of confidence about him, which is what I like, is a WBO cruiserweight champion, Chris Billum-Smith. How does that sound, Chris, when you hear yourself getting billed like that now? You are a top man in the world of boxing. You're a cruiserweight WBO champ. Yeah, it's, uh, it sounds good. It sounds good. I'm not, uh, not bored of hearing it yet, and uh, long may it continue. So, of course, your, your mindset, I would have thought, is bound to change when you go from challenger to champion or does it um not really no i think I, I i try and take every fight for for what it is you know it's um you you look at the opponent and um you you just dissect the fight and um and and who you got and the challenges you face and, and that's what training camps about and just you know preparing for that really and just prepare prepare for the opponent um nothing that's all, all i can do you know to that's how i've done it my whole career um, so I think that's how I've, I've got to continue I mean Chris we go back to May at the Vitality Stadium you boxed an old gym mate actually old sparring partner in Lawrence Acoli how difficult was that preparing for a fight you know of that magnitude for his WBO world title you know in your home stadium a place where you grew up you knew each other inside out you knew it was going to be a difficult fight how difficult was it preparing for someone like Lawrence as opposed to someone like Masternak who you're boxing you know next Sunday um I think it was easier to be honest because, all, all, like I said, if, if if you take away the the world title and the stadium and, and all that and just put the boxing ring there and who you're fighting, you know, it's someone I've shared many, many, many rounds with, and I've got a coach who used to coach him, so he knows his strengths and weaknesses. Whereas this one, you you know what you're getting with Masnek from watching him, but you don't know the ins and outs of, of him. Um, and uh, he's he's a more well-rounded fighter than than anyone I've ever faced, I believe. Um, mm -hmm. Super tough. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult. You've got to try and get different sparring in. It's hard to get someone who moves really well but also carries a lot of power. So you have to really mix up the sparring. And that's exactly what it is with Masnak, isn't it? He's a very tough guy. Hasn't been beaten, actually, since 2018. He's a voluntary defence. And I want to ask you this. Why pick such a difficult voluntary percent um, defence because we know what Masnak's going to bring to the to the fight we know that he's tough he's rough he'll keep coming you know you, and, and I know you've got home advantage but this is a difficult fight a potential banana skin with what you've got planned for 2024 yeah for sure but world champion you, you, there's no easy fights at this level um, the only way you can make them easy is, is, is do all the work yourself and uh, that's that's what we've been doing in the gym um, but yeah we're expecting obviously a, a tough night's work it, um, I don't think Masternick's ever been dropped in his career and he's had 52 fights and there's not many people who've had 52 fights and 52. never been dropped so uh, yeah. yeah it's uh, it's a tough night's work for sure but uh, we're, we're confident 
I mean, as you know, um, Chris, we're live on YouTube and Facebook, so cameras in the studio here. I love that. It's been picked up by a couple of people. Harry is one, Bob's another. Big boxing fans who describe themselves as. I love the shrug of the shoulder from uh, Chris Bill and Smith. Yeah, I'm a champion. I mean, but it's not something you dismiss. You're not indifferent to the fact that you've progressed from where you were to where you are now. But you, yeah, there's an appreciation of it. Nothing more than that from yourself. Yeah, I mean... I'm, you know, very close to the fight now. Um, so I think it's it's sort of that it's a, it's irrelevant of having the belt really because you, you've got to defend it. So um, I've got to really focus on on the next fight and just um, and work towards that. How good is it having home advantage? I mean, the big arena that you've boxed and we've seen you there a number of times before. Isaac Chamberlain was one that stands out for me back in, when was that, 2022? Fight of the Year contender, but unbelievable. How important is it to have that home advantage? Because the Bournemouth fans really will get behind you and you may need them actually in, in this contest because, you know, it is going to be tough at times. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, I got into the sport because of atmosphere. I've, I've, when I watched my mate, we are all chanting his name um, and I thought I want a bit of that. So uh, for me to then go on and, and have a unbelievable fan base and, you know, create the noise that they do and live in that atmosphere is just, I'm so appreciative of it. And it's, uh, it gets me buzzing. It gives me goosebumps. I can't wait to get back in the BIC as well because as defending champion, you know, the ticket sold out four weeks early. Mm. Um, so it's going to be loud in there and uh, it's a proper bear pit and it's like a, a wall of fans. So and, yeah, I can't wait. And the fight's happening on a Sunday because... Bournemouth are playing away on the Saturday, is that right? So you put the fight on on Sunday to get all the fans there? Yeah, yeah, I think ever it was best for everyone for it to be on a Sunday because um, you know, we're away at United on the on the Saturday. Uh so it's uh you can't they the fans that gave me that night back in May that that tra that will be travelling up to, to United, um, you know, I can't can't let them down. They've got to they've got to be there and watch me defend it. Have a good Bournemouth double think, Simon, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Do you think he's a better fighter than the one that lost to Tony Bellew? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. Think so. Even though it's a long time ago, I think that was quite a big fight. He would have learned a lot from that fight. Um, but he's so well. He went the distance with Tony, didn't he? And ultimately, Tony's quite a heavy hitter, isn't he? It was yeah. a tough fight that, yeah. by the way, as well. I remember being at that mm. fight, and Masternak, yeah, he brought it the whole time. And, and Tony had to ask himself. He had to dig deep at times there as well. So that's what I said. When you look at the record of him, I think he's only ever lost since Tony was to another former champion in Dorticus, who's a, who's a great fighter, a really good fighter, who's mandatory now for. Um, Gollumarian's yeah. title it's a WBA title isn't it so mm. yeah that's the sort of company he's mixing in I mean, and this guy is like like I say when I looked at it I was like okay like you, you know there's easier options out there and this one stylistically you'll bring it he'll bring it it's guaranteed war isn't it yeah yeah I think uh <laughs> I think my, my my team and my family prefer it not to be a war, but uh, but yeah, no. It, but you can't help yourself. That's, nah, it's, the, that's the way you fight. It's always exciting. Um, but yeah, no, it's. Uh, I think he's a really you know really good fight. Talk about the Tony Belly fight. He had um, he went twelve rounds of Tony, and and I think a couple of the judges had it one fifteen, one thirteen. In the last round, Masternek was winning the first minute, and Tony pulled out from a brilliant last two minutes and really hurt him and won the round which might have swung the fight otherwise it could have been a draw so um, and obviously we know how good a fighter Tony is and then Tony um, goes on a year later and wins it, the, the it, WBC belt right? exactly yeah. so um, yeah he's he's been there and, and, and done it he hasn't actually boxed for a world title yet Masternek so um, I know what that feeling's like as a, as a challenger for the when first time when you look across the landscape Chris you're now a world champion and it is a different feel and a different look irrespective of because a lot of people will change around you maybe you won't change but there's a lot of noise and a lot of attention is being made of Jay Opatea and all the heat in the division seems to be focused on him is that something you want to address 
in terms of your profile to get yourself in a position? Because the bigger the name you are, your achievements will get you bigger purses and bigger outcomes. What do you make of that sort of observation? Yeah, I think um, he's you know he obviously beat Breedis, then you know put Jordan Thompson. In, yeah, 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 done done well against Jordan Thompson, but you know Jordan's never boxed near yeah, that level. It's really. about levels, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I even said that to Jordan on on the night and when I saw him after, but um, he, he's obviously on this card now on December the twenty third, isn't he? Um, yes, which creates its own yeah. buzz, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, I, once again, I think you know I'd, I'd like to see another, a Brit win it, but yeah. I, I, I don't think many people give Elisora a chance in in that fight, um, mainly because he's never boxed anywhere near that mm-hmm. level. But you know, he may surprise us all. Um, but yeah, you know, that's a that's a fight I definitely want down the line. I, yeah. I, I, I wanted it for the for the May show, but yeah. there was difficulties with management. That was sort of what we were working towards from the Isaac Chamberlain fight. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, it's all about unifications for me. When you get to that level anyway, and you want to, you know, you want to fight the best, you want to push yourself, mm. test yourself. But there's other big names out there as well. Obviously, Richard Riappol is a big name that you know. We've got Lawrence Acoli still there. He's waiting for his his rematch. So I mean, there's there's big names in British shores as well for you. But I think that unification. Jai Apatairu's many consider as the best in the division. He's probably there, the ones that people are talking about. That mm-hmm. that's where you want to be, right? Yeah, for sure. You know, if I um, you know, that, that could all change next next week when I go and put on a performance. Sure. So, yeah. um, everyone's opinion might change, but that's the mm-hmm. the beauty of boxing. Um, and until we get in the ring with each other, we we won't know. Are yeah. you minded to give Re- React Poor a shot before he gets a belt, or or after he's got one? I mean, ideally, I would have liked him to. Obviously, I think both of us would have liked him to have had a belt, but um, that looks unlikely. Um, so we, we, it may happen before. We'll, we'll see. Um, but it's a it's a shame because I, I feel like it was an opportunity there to do a, a massive mm. unification. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. My, my understanding was Golomarian, who's the WBA champion, was where Richard was looking for. That's what he was targeting. But Golomarian's now gone somewhere else. He's fighting possibly Ramirez or someone like that which leaves Richard in this position Lawrence Acoli's still there mm. waiting for that rematch but Richard may then get mandated as your mandatory yeah I think he's so. I think he's, um, he's number two isn't he yeah I think yeah. he's uh, so, you don't need to worry about all that Chris no you've got this guy Master Knight in front of you and that's it and the fight's live and talk sport um, what do you think you're going to see from him what 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 might you have to be fearful of in the opening rounds because this guy can bang presumably with 31 KOs yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, he's he's really really good fighter. He's uh, like I said, there's not any glaring weaknesses there. Um, I think he's just he's just puts his shots together well. He's got good feet. He's, he punch power, but um, it's not like a forced punch power. He doesn't show his attacks. You know, he's got a really good right hand, which he just loops straight over the top. Um, so yeah, there's 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 a huge amount of danger there. I've got to be I've got to be on it. And if um I'm anything anything but that, then uh, it'll be a, a a a really 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 hard night. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a review wherever you get your podcast from. We'll be back tomorrow to bring you the best of the show. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.